Welcome to MoneyWeb Now. Business news every morning. It's Tuesday, 19 December. I'm Simon Brown coming at you loud and recorded from MoneyWeb offices in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, Chantal Marks, Head of Research at F&B Wealth and Investment, on consumer stocks as we head into 2024 with lower inflation and reducing rates. Are we going to see a consumer bouncing back? Waldo Marcus, Industry Principal at TPN Credit Bureau. Rental vacancies continue downwards, but some pressure in the low and high-end units. This show is brought to you by Stanlip. Visit stanlip.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlip Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. I'm chatting with Chantal Marks, Head of Research at F&B Wealth and Investments. Chantal, appreciate the time today. Uh, I've got a, a brain puzzle I'm going to put forward to you. Uh, consumers have been under pressure the last couple of years, the pandemic, and then, of course, rising inflation, ultimately rising interest rates. Inflation's come down to a fair degree. Interest rates set to come down next year. Does this bode well for, for consumer stocks? Well, it's a difficult question, right? <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> as you mentioned in, at the start of asking that question. So I do think that things look a little bit better for consumers next year, particularly in South Africa. Um, and it is for those reasons that you mentioned. We are seeing inflation coming down. Uh, we do expect interest rates to to at least not go up anymore and Well, most forecasters suggest that we'll start seeing interest rate cuts towards the middle of next year. And I think that that will be a great relief. Uh, The other thing that we're seeing in South Africa, and we still need to get fourth quarter data to confirm, is that there is a little bit of uh, momentum on the employment front. Now, how much that is going to be derailed by what we're seeing in mining and manufacturing currently, I'm not sure. Uh, But the momentum seems to be positive on that front. And and I think that that in itself will provide a bit of relief to consumers. Of course, there are unknowables, right? Um, We could still have a big knock-on impact coming through from from Transnet Mm -hmm. um, and the the related industries or the industries related to that. Um, We know that we are probably going to see job cuts on the on the mining front. Um, and then there are also other uh, unforeseens that could derail consumer confidence. Yeah, and much as the pandemic came out of nowhere in, in 2020. And certainly we're seeing agriculture and construction both picking up jobs in the last couple of months. Is this then of the consumer, because there's still unknowns, is it a case of sort of go for the, the low LSMs? I'm thinking the, the pep calls, the shop rights, um, maybe even the Mr. Prices. Or is there opportunity there for the likes of a Woolies or a, a, you know, a, a Truers? I think there are opportunities across the board. I'm not writing off the the high-income consumer yet. I mean, we know that confidence has deteriorated there. I think more around what's happening on the political front in South Africa and what's happening all over the world. And and perhaps that that knowledge making people a little bit more cautious to spend, particularly in the the higher income area. Mm. Um, But I do think that that 
confidence number switches pretty quickly. So as soon as people start feeling a little bit more comfortable around their finances and the chaos around them dies down a little bit, they're very quick to spend and they're very quick to spend a whole lot of money. What I do think is going to happen in the high income space is that we're going to see less usage of credit. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we've already started seeing that slowdown coming through because even though interest rates will probably come down towards the middle of next year, they're still high and they're probably yeah. going to remain high. So I'm going to favor cash retailers on the on the higher income spe- in the higher income sphere. And then in the lower income space, we know that the the, the social relief of the stress grants have been um a, have been maintained at least for for the next few years so that there will be some some relief there again i think cash retailers will benefit in the discount and and value space um and then i think that when you're thinking about where those those employment gains are coming from if it's in construction and if it's in agriculture uh, i think you could see a lot of unemployed low income earners actually become employed mm. they they're not going to have massive increases or, or massive salaries to work with but it's going to be a lot bigger than the the social relief of the stress grant yeah but what they're getting 350 a month even if they just get a couple of thousand it, it's a couple of thousand more two of the 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 train wrecks this year to varying degrees spa and pick and pay is there any value here also the case of we want to see some evidence of the the sort of new strategies playing out and, and for different reasons they've had tough years do we need evidence first or do we assume that a retailer of that size surely it gets it going eventually so I'm feeling a little bit better about spa than I am about pick and pay. So for spa, I don't think that the the problem is as structural as, mm-hmm. as it is for for pick and pay because I think that the the wholesale model works, um, and they've obviously been heavily derailed by this failed SAP implementation. Um, I think that that could probably work through the numbers in the in the next year or so, um, and then you should start seeing an improvement from SPA. I think them deciding that they're going to exit Poland is probably a good idea. Um, yeah. I mean, everyone makes mistakes, and big management teams of big multinational corporates make mistakes as well, and the fact that they've realized it so soon, I guess, is probably um, better than not realizing it at all, or going down a 10-year route of trying to turn that business around. So I think that the fact that management focus can now return to the, the area that are actually working will be quite positive for them. And I see that they're shoring up their their expertise within the, the management space as well as the oversight yeah. space in terms of the board with some, some IT expertise. So positive steps there. Pick and pay. I'm worried about this QualiSave story. I, I don't know where it fits into the market. I'm, I'm very concerned around um, what their strategy is. Obviously, they have new management as well. So perhaps we can see a little bit more clarity there before getting too excited. I don't think they're going to disappear, though. But I think that they could be in a bit of pain for a while longer. What about multi-choice? Here's a stock we've spoken about before. Certainly, consumers under pressure, that premium product becomes expensive at, at close to 1000 It's a stock that was, what, almost 150 back in March, now sort of half of that. Is there opportunity here? I mean, they've got challenges, but they still are the dominant player in, in the continent. Uh, they've got Showmax, so they're taking the streaming route. Is, is, there, is there opportunity here? 
So I do think there's opportunity here, but it depends on your time horizon, your investment <laughs> horizon, because I think it's going to be a bumpy ride over the next year or so. Um, and the main reason is because of the heavy investment that they're going to make yeah. into Showmax and the fact that they probably have to pivot their sports offering as well. So they need to become a little bit more dynamic in terms of how they monetize the sports rights that they do own. Um, pushing it through to DSTV premium, premium subscribers and having kind of a, a watered-down offering on, on catch-up and Showmax is probably not going to cut it. Because what we're seeing internationally is event-driven mm-hmm. subscriptions. And I think that they need to start thinking in those in, they, they need to start thinking in those terms as well. It's complicated. It's admin intensive. There's going to be um, some investment in platform required. I'm not sure if it's part of the show max build that they, they're busy with right now. Um, but there's there's a lot that needs to happen with that business. The, the, the fundamentals, I think, are fine. I think mm. what they're doing in terms of local content generation, the fact that they've got a monopoly in sports, all of these things are supportive. We're also seeing an improvement in profitability in the rest of Africa. And once you see a sort of a stabilization um, in, in, in exchange rates, hopefully at some point, um, that should start filtering through meaningfully to the, to the bottom line. So I think if you're willing to sit tight with this one, there's a lot of value to be had, especially if your entry point is current levels. But yeah. As I mentioned, it's it's going to be a it could be a, a bumpy ride. Yeah, and I like your idea about event products. I I would have paid them easy a thousand or two just to give me the World Cup. Just show me the rugby. I don't need all the rest. Quick last question: Looking into twenty twenty four, is there something on your mind that you look out and see as a potential giant risk? We've touched on some of those, or perhaps a, a, a giant opportunity that you think the market is missing. So I think that the, the the giant risks are almost the known risks yeah. because you cannot actually say what the giant black swan events could be, <laughs> yeah. right? So I think that the, the biggest risk going into 2024 is that this kind of malaise or impasse that we're in around what's going to happen in the U.S. persists for the entire year and not just the first six months of the year, which is currently our base case, mm-hmm. right? There needs to be either confirmation of a soft landing or that hard recession has to actually come through for for us to have comfort in what the interest rate trajectory in the U.S. is going to look like. Um, and then the, the the other thing is global geopolitics. So, um, every year we think we've seen this big geopolitical event and every year something bigger comes along. It's a hold my beer type scenario. And I don't know if if you, you know exactly how many countries are going to the polls next year, but yeah. um, we've picked up a, um, a research report that says 76 countries, that's 59% of global GDP, um, are going to, to vote in 2024. So I think that there is a heightened risk around that. And even in the South African context, I think it's going to be extremely volatile and, and a little bit crazy around election time. Um, but hopefully, I think in the second half of the year, I don't think we should underestimate the, the positive impact that uh, kind of declining interest rate environment can yeah. have on markets and sentiment. And and I do think that within this that in the second half of next year, that will hopefully uh, be the dominating uh, sentiment out there. Yeah, and the election story is crazy. I think it's like half of the world's population, 4 billion people are going to be voting. Sean Tomox, Head of Research, FMB Wealth and Investments, always appreciate the time. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? 
it can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Standing with Waldo Marcus, uh, Industrial Principal at TPN Credit Bureau. Uh, Waldo, I appreciate the time today. Uh, recent uh, data out from yourselves, residential rental vacancies, and we're talking the rental market here, six-year lows as, as uh, demand for rental property uh, continues to pick up. Uh, good day, Simon. Yes, thanks very much. Yeah, the residential vacancy survey is conducted on a quarterly basis by TPN Credit Bureau, uh, and it provides useful insights for the industry to understand the number of vacancies across various provinces, as well as various uh, rental value bands. And as you stated during the introduction, um, quarter three of this year has been, we, we've recorded one of the lowest number of uh, residential units va- uh, that stands vacant since 2017. So wow. it's showing that there is a real demand for residential rental property in South Africa. Um, but of course, various provinces, as well as various rental value bands, perform very differently when we start looking at this data. I want to dig into some of those geographic and, and, and price points. But I, mean, I suppose in some ways that, that this uh, really low vacancy, not so surprising. High rates has forced many out of the, the, the ownership market. They still need a place to stay. And that then says, well, look at the rental market. That's correct. Um, the, during during the pandemic in 2020 and 2021, we saw double digits vacancies taking place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was due to the hard lockdown measures. And then the low interest rates also migrated people from um, renting mm-hmm. property to purchasing it. And as we've seen, there is the South African Reserve Bank trying to combat inflation as much as possible, um, hiked interest rates aggressively. Uh, and two things happen. Um, those that already own a property that um, now cannot afford it um, exit, uh, exit that agreement and then they enter into the rental market. Um, and, and new people entering it, not necessarily um, having a, comp- a clear line of sight of what the interest rate is going to do, they opt for, for renting rather than purchasing. Um, and we, we expect that the demand for, proper, for these properties will remain high as we see um, you know, the interest rates not going to come down as quickly as possible as inflation yeah. still remains on that high part. Yeah, I mean, expectations are prime somewhere around 11% next year at the end. That's still well up from the 7% we had in the in the pandemic. You mentioned it's price, pandem- uh, price dependent. W- where are we seeing sort of the biggest growth? And are there certain price points which are perhaps still struggling a bit? The, the rental value bands below 3,000, so those uh, tenants that pay mm-hmm. 3,000 or less a month, they are still sitting with relatively high vacancies. It has come down from the previous quarter where it was 14%. It's now sitting at 7%. So that's almost half mm-hmm. from the previous quarter to this quarter. Then we see that the very high rental value bands, the luxury market, those uh, units that achieve a 12 to 25,000 rand a month rental, they are still well above the national average at 8.5 to 6%. And it's a very similar trend to what we see 
in our residential rental monitor where we look at the tenants in good standing and those that do not pay their rental. And again, those two value bands, the lowest and the highest rental value bands, uh, those tenants are um, have got lower good standing ratios than um, other rental value bands. And we see that then in their vacancies as well, that they are standing a bit more vacant. Although those paying less than 3,000 have recovered very well, units achieving 3,000 to 4,500, they're sitting just under the 8%. They've also had a very good recovery from quarter two, where 11% were vacant. And those sitting between 4,500 and 7,000, um, although they have seen three consecutive quarters of increased vacancies, they still remain below the national average. Hmm. The seven and 12,000 rental value band, which performs exceptionally well across all major uh, property uh, key performance indicators, um, they're sitting under the 6% mark still. Beginning of this year, they were sitting at 5%. So we're starting to see the 4,500 to 12,000 rental value band starting to see a slight increase in vacancies. But that is also because more rental um, units is available because of escalations. And what that means is with rental escalations um, increasing, various units that would have fallen in the 4,500 uh, below the four and a half thousand is now maybe achieving four thousand six hundred rand. So then they would be moving up into the gotcha. higher rental value band. So we're starting to see that migration as we've seen a healthier rental growth coming through. Do, do you get a sense of escalations? I mean, are these coming through sort of in line with inflation, or are owners sort of perhaps taking rental increases slightly below inflation, or perhaps even above? So we've seen uh, rental escalations remain slightly below um, inflation CPI. Mm-hmm. As of the third quarter of this year, they were very similar. But there is some catch up on the rental growth side as during 2020 and 2021, we've seen um, really, really low escalations coming through as property investors and, and landlords were more cautious on increasing rentals and rather ensure that their tenant can afford to pay, but more importantly, that their rental units are occupied. We expect the rental escalations to remain between the 5 and 6.5% for quarter four and quarter one going into next year. Um, and we expect that to, that trend to kind of continue unless there is a, a fast decrease in interest rates, which we doubt will happen in 2024. And I like your point there. It's that debate around occupancy, but also quality of, of tenants. And of course, TPN Credit Bureau sits firmly in the, at the center of that. It, it is a, it's a juggling act for the landlord to, to find a, a great tenant uh, versus not having uh, your, your, your place empty for perhaps a month or two as you do. Yes, and that balancing act is something that has been going on for quite a few years, and we see it in our in our data. Increasing your um, your your rental too much will result in a month with a vacancy or two months with a vacancy, which deteriorates your return very quickly. For instance, in Gauteng, we've seen investors and landlords strike a very good balance between. Uh, managing uh, their rental increases and growth and reducing their vacancies. Although Gauteng is still above the national average, it has maintained a very good balance on trying to ensure that a unit is rather occupied than sitting sitting vacant. Some of the other provinces have not really struck that balance. Um, if we look at, for instance, the Eastern Cape, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of sitting at above the national average, double-digit vacancies. But they've also 
hiked their rental um, growth quite aggressively. Uh, uh, we start and uh, we start seeing that filtering into their vacancy numbers. Last question: Any sense of the renters paying their, their rent or being able to pay? I mean, it is tough out there for a consumer. Uh, inflation, interest rates, all the other bits and pieces. Uh, are renters paying on time and 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 consistently? Yes, they are. We've seen quarter three rental good standing improving again from the previous quarters. Mm-hmm. Overall, tenants are committed to making their rental payment on time. The number of tenants that did not make any payment towards their rent within a specific month has, has dropped to the 16%. And in your lower rental value bands and your higher rental value bands, we've seen did not pay dropping as low as, as 4 and 5%. Mm-hmm. So tenants are committed to to making their rental payments, um, and that really helps landlords and investors with their cash flow, yeah. uh, considering that you've got high interest rates, but also high maintenance and security costs, etc. So landlords are enjoying the, the fact that they can increase their rentals, they have better occupancy, but also that they are collecting their rental, which is critically important for their businesses. Yeah, take that point. Absolutely. What a Marcus Industry Principal at TPN Credit Bureau. Appreciate the time. Your money knows that reaching new heights means turbulence. When you invest in Stanlib's Global Multi-Strategy Diversified Growth Fund, your money can withstand the unpredictable ups and downs caused by day-to-day market fluctuations. Because our partnership with J.P. Morgan Asset Management gives you access to a broad range of global strategies. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. That's it for today. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nobuchle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. When do rates come down? Listen to the live stream of MoneyWeb Now at the same time every weekday. For more business, finance and investment news. MoneyWeb Now, on the money. Also available on podcast.